Well, good morning, everybody. How's how we doing? Good. Uh, today is obviously fall. It has hit us, and uh, some of you are very uh, not happy about that. Uh, me, I like uh, I like nice summer weather. I'd like to be like that country song said, some beach somewhere. Anybody know what I'm saying? But uh, we're at the end of that, and now we're into fall season. And some of you guys like wearing shorts and hoodies, you know. So you're excited about this, and you're like. It's, uh, we're now finally uh, well into football season, and, and so life is good, and uh, so you enjoy that. But whatever it is, we're glad you guys are here today. This is the last message in our series, Lost Cause, and we started week one with talking about what is the lost cause, and that Jesus himself said that I came to seek and to save that which was lost, and that he was passionate about finding people who did not know God. He was always on mission. And so one of the reasons this is the lost cause is because in the church, it seems like we focus a lot on gathering, but not so much on going. And so uh, we talked about that week one. And then week two, we talked about the fact that we're not alone, that you don't have to go on your own power, your own energy. Uh, when you talk to people about the Lord or when you build relationships with people uh, and uh, you tell your faith story, God is already, already working ahead of you in that. And and, uh, and so we talked about that week two. Week three, we gave a little strategy called BLESS, B-L-E-S-S. And uh, if you're not sure how do you do this, that really gave a good strategy for us. B is begin with prayer. Just start praying about somebody in your life that you know, maybe that there would be an open opportunity. And, and uh, L is listen. And I gave you that quote from David Augsburger, which I think is so powerful. Being heard is as close to being loved that for the average person, they're almost indistinguishable. That when you listen to somebody without judgment, it makes a big difference in your relationship. Almost feels like love because that's what love does. Uh, and uh, then E, I'm so glad E is in here. Uh, it stands for eat. And it's uh, just one place where Jesus and I really resonate with each other is on the, uh, the beauty of eating. Amen. And, uh, and so we talked about that, being hospitable, open up your home. The first S is the word serve. If you pray and you're listening to people and you're eating with them, you're probably going to hear some needs that they have and an opportunity to serve them. And then the other S is now you'll have the opportunity and openness to tell your story. And uh, tell your story about what the difference that God has made in your life. Today, what I want to do is conclude this series and talk to you about our motivation, our motivation to find the lost. Chapman University published a survey of the top 10 American fears in October of 2022. Here's what they found. Number one fear of Americans, 2022 October, corrupt government officials. That's number one. Can you believe that? Number two, people I love becoming seriously ill. Number three, Russia using nuclear weapons. Number four, people I love dying. Number five, the U.S. becoming involved in another world war. Number six, pollution of drinking water. Number seven, not having enough money for the future. Number eight, economic financial collapse. Number nine, pollution of the oceans, rivers, and lakes. And number 10, biological warfare. If I were to summarize that, I would say seven of the 10 deal with fear of illness or death. And I think that's one of the reasons that people joke about death sometimes is because it's one way to deal with the reality of it. I found these words of people who had uh, died or people who loved them, and they wrote these inscriptions on a tombstone or in an obituary. I found them all on the internet, so I know that they're true. One of them is on a tombstone in Redoso, New Mexico. It says, here lies Johnny Yeast, 
pardon me for not rising. <laughs> I like that. That's cute, cute. A widow wrote this obituary, sacred to the memory of my husband, John Barnes, who died January 3rd, 1803. His comely young widow, age 23, has many qualifications of a good wife and yearns to be comforted. I love that. She's like, I'm going to mourn him, but who's next? All right, who's next? In a cemetery in Cooperstown, New York, the stonesman didn't have enough room for all the letters. And he writes, here lies Susanna Ensign. Lord, she is thin. He meant to write, Lord, she is thine, but instead she is thin for here on out. On Margaret Daniel's grave in Hollywood Cemetery in Richmond, Virginia, it just said she always said her feet were killing her, but nobody believed her. And then, uh, I, like, I like this one a lot. Bill Wilson one time said, rest in peace. I told you I was sick. That's my favorite. And we can laugh about that, but the truth is that a lot of people are afraid of dying. It makes sense, doesn't it? The statistics on death are very impressive. All of us are going to face that moment in our life. It's 100%. It is the great uh, equalizer. No matter your race, your background, whether you're rich or poor, uh, no matter where you were born, all of us are going to face that moment. And so we all must think about what will happen when we die. Where will we go? Hebrews 9.27 says, man is destined to die once and after that to face the judgment. Friends, our motivation to sharing our faith with people who are lost is, is the reality of death and the hope of heaven. You guys remember the movie Alice in Wonderland? There's a place in the story in which Alice, and Alice pops out of a hole and she comes back to a fork in the road and the Cheshire cat is there sitting on, in a tree and Alice looks down one direction and then the other direction and she asks the cat, would you tell me, sir, which way I ought to go from here? And he says, that depends a good deal on where you want to get to. And Alice said, I don't care much where. And then he says, if you don't care much where, then it doesn't matter which way you go. It's a profound statement. I believe we live around a people who often don't know where they're going. And in fact, many of them don't even care. But we care. Because Jesus said in Matthew 7, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So many people are preoccupied today with the here and now, so locked in the present, they haven't bothered to give much thought to the future. But we must give it a thought. We, we must know and understand the reality of death the reality of heaven and hell. We have to not only be prepared, our mission is to help other people be prepared. Dr. Nelson Bell one time wrote, only those who are prepared to die are really prepared to live. I want so much for people who don't know Christ to know the way to heaven. And, and what I want to do today is just tell you four things that I really want them to know. Here's what I want them to know. I want people to know and to experience the untarnished beauty of God's creation. This earth was created to continually remind us of God's awesome power and His incredible creativity. And I have been to a lot of great places in my life. I've seen the power of Niagara Falls, the majesty of the Rocky Mountains, the vastness of the Atlantic Ocean, the clear blue waters around St. Vincent Island. So many beautiful places. But friends, none of those places compare with the extraordinary brilliance of what awaits us in heaven. Genesis, Genesis tells us that this universe was created 
in six days. And imagine the beauty that we have around us. But God has been working on heaven for over 2,000 years, preparing a place for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. No eye, no ear, no mind, no imagination. Heaven is beyond our thoughts. At our most creative moment, at our deepest thought, at our highest level, with our senses in full throttle, we cannot fathom the perfect world that God has prepared for us. God prepared and created our world today. And yet, Genesis tells us very quick, quickly, uh, very obviously, that, that our sin tarnished creation, entered pain, entered suffering, entered hardship. But one day in heaven, we will experience a place with none of that. John chapter 14, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you may be also where I am. That was over 2,000 years ago. And God is preparing that place for us. I can only imagine all of what God has, has in store for us. The Apostle John, in the book of Revelation, tries his best to describe it. His words fall short. But he writes things like this, that heaven shone with the, with the glory of God. Its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel. He describes it as streets of gold and, and jewels for the gates in every way that he can conceptualize it and imagine it. He's trying to describe the most beautiful things on this earth to be able to describe the beauty and majesty of heaven. But even that falls short. Any human understanding falls short of God's great creation in eternity. You remember the line, the, the words from, uh, from the Gospels when it said that Jesus was born and in Bethlehem the angels shone up and the glory of the Lord shone around them. In the, in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, we read about the same glory in the book of Revelation where it says that there is no need for light in heaven. No light from the sun or the moon. Why? Because God's glory shone around them. The songwriter wrote one time, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. I want people to experience the untarnished beauty of God's creation. And I also want people to experience being fully known and loved beyond measure. We all have relationships on this earth that are so special. They challenge us, they strengthen us, they encourage us, they sustain us. Of course we're imperfect. We're sinful people. And so because of that, we, we obviously experience some hardship. I mean, sometimes we get hurt on this side of heaven. But in heaven, you could say goodbye to backstabbing, goodbye to severed relationships, just imagine the best times of fellowship you've ever had on this earth, the best times of sitting with friends at a good meal where you just laughed and you shared and you felt at peace. That's, that's the kind of relationship that we experience in heaven for eternity. I've said before that at a Valentine's banquet that my mom and dad did years ago when I was uh, in Miamisburg, they did a little talk on Valentine. They used the word Valentine. V stood for something, A, L. I didn't remember all those today, 
But I do remember one thing they said. They said, you know what, we've always had a goal for our family. And my ears perked up. Oh, I didn't know we had a goal for our family. They said, our goal is that we want our family to be in heaven. But not only that, we want our family to want to be in heaven together. That's an interesting goal. That means I don't want us just to get to know Jesus and and get to heaven. I want us to enjoy the relationship so much with each other on this side of heaven that we can't wait to spend eternity with one another. Heaven is a place where all the fear in relationships is gone because there's no sin. There's no jealousy or pride or fear of rejection. We just enjoy one another in a deep, intimate relationship. Can you even begin to fathom what it will be like to be reunited with your loved ones in heaven someday, just inside the gate, to go together as a family and sit at the feet of Jesus? I was at a funeral years ago where the family had lost their college-age daughter who loved the Lord very much, and the place was packed out. And one singer got up to sing a song called, I Bowed on My Knees and Cried Holy, and he was a powerful tenor voice, and he sang the words, I entered the gates of heaven, and I saw Luke, and I saw Mark, and I saw Timothy, but I said, Timothy, I want to see Jesus, for he's the one who died for me. And when he sang that, the family of this young girl, they all leapt to their feet in applause. And then the entire place broke out in a thunderous applause. We call those thin moments where like heaven and earth touch one another for a moment. And the reality of heaven was so vivid for this family that they couldn't help but to celebrate the fact that their daughter was, at the, were, was in the very presence of God himself. In heaven, we'll be able to see Jesus face to face, to fall at his feet, to worship him, to walk with him and talk with him, to to clear up all the mysteries and the questions that have confused us. He'll answer all the whys. And this new companionship that we'll have will allow us to even go deeper for eternity in our journey and relationship with the Lord. The Bible says in Revelation 21, 3, the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. I want people to experience that. I also want people to experience true peace and relief from the pain of this world. Revelation 21 again says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They'll be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. I like that verse. Some of you live with physical pain every day, don't you? I wake up some days, like this morning, like most days, and I think, did I run a marathon last night in my sleep? My body is so sore. Why do I hurt? But there's a day coming where your body will be pain-free, Advil-free, flexible, quick, fit, perfect. No dentures, no counting fat grams, no drinking Ensure, no glasses, no hearing aids, no wheelchairs, no walkers, no arthritis, new bodies. Some of you deal with emotional pain every day. There'll be no tears, no painful memories, no nightmares, no flashbacks, no baggage, no broken hearts. And it'll be like that forever. Johnny Erickson Tata, the well-known Christian author who was also a quadriplegic, one time wrote this poem called Johnny's Waltz. She said, though I spend my mortal lifetime in this chair, I refuse to waste it living in despair. 
And though others may receive gifts of healing, I believe that He has given me a gift beyond compare. For heaven is nearer to me, and at times it's all I can see. Sweet music I hear coming down to my ear, and I know that it's playing for me. For I am Christ's own bride, and I shall stand by His side. And He will say, shall we dance? And our endless romance will be worth all the tears that I've cried. The prophet Isaiah said it poetically as well. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Heaven will take care of Johnny Erickson Tata's physical problems in an instant. In heaven, we will receive a new transformed body. In Philippians chapter 3, it says our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. And for some of us, receiving a new and improved body itself will be paradise. The Christian will have a new glorified body, not in six weeks or your money back, but immediately. First Corinthians says, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. And some of you might be asking, what? I didn't know we were going to have a body. I thought we were just going to be spirits in heaven, floating around on some cloud. No. When God created you, he created you mind, body, and soul. He doesn't make junk. He didn't create a mistake. He created you just how he wanted you to be. But one day, the Bible says, just as Jesus Christ resurrected and his body was transformed, we will be transformed from mortal to immortal. It'll be a glorified body. It'll be a body without the effects of sin and aging and genetic problems and disabilities and pain. It'll be a fully functioning, enhanced one. Now, how many of you would agree that that's good news? And it's good news not just for this side of heaven. We're able to share it to other people so that they will know that they can have it too. And that's one thing I want people to know, that they could have that opportunity as well. And then I want people to know and to experience the fulfillment of an eternal home. I can tell you this, it, it, was, young, it was easy for me as a young person to ignore the reality of death and eternity. But as you get older, it's, it's uh, harder to ignore pain. The older you get, the more you have people you love pass away. The more you deal with aches and pains. The more you see hardship and struggle. The more that you see friends deal with serious illnesses. The more that you long for something else. In college, I traveled with an a cappella singing group called Heritage. We traveled three weekends a month and ten weeks in the summer. Three guys, three girls. We traveled by, by van. We toured all over the country, as far north as New York, as far south as Florida, and as far west as Colorado. We traveled all over the country singing. I did it for two years, and we stayed with people who, after concerts, would house us, and we stayed at summer camps and cabins and all kinds of living arrangements, and it was so kind of people to host us and house us, and we had some beautiful experiences, but we also had some, some crazy stories, I tell you that, places where we uh, ended up uh, uh, finding ourselves. We were on tour like that for quite a while, and it was quite a grind. One summer, one, one week we were in Michigan. The next week we traveled to Texas. The next week we traveled to Pennsylvania. And the next week we traveled to Oklahoma. I was not happy with our scheduler during those uh, few weeks. But nothing, man, it was, it was a grueling uh, schedule. 
But there is nothing like when you travel like that, walking through the door of your own house, dropping your stuff at the doorstep, and being hugged. Nothing like, come on in, son, we're so glad you're home. Nothing like, mama's cooking, it's all ready for you, come on up to the table. There is something about all of us that is drawn toward home. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 10, the wise man named Solomon one time said, God has planted eternity into the hearts of men. It it is our home. Don't get me wrong, I love this earth. I love my family and my friends. I have very precious relationships. I enjoy good food and working out and laughter. I like to accomplish things. I like hard work. I like to watch my favorite sports teams. Most years, amen, most years, most years. But at the same time, my heart breaks for a dear friend who struggles with cancer. I feel discouraged when I see Israel attacked yesterday by Hamas. I hate when I see a child mistreated. I get discouraged by gossip and backbiting. It's hard to feel at home in this world, isn't it? That's good. Pastor Larry Moody one time said, The Christian must remember that you are not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. You're in the land of the dying going to the land of the living. Augustine one time said, The only ultimate disaster that can befall us, I have come to realize, is to feel ourselves to be home on earth. As long as we are aliens, we cannot forget our true homeland. When we're dissatisfied with this world, God holds our attention heavenward. Friends, enjoy the blessings of this life, but don't ever settle. Don't ever grip tightly to that which is temporary. Look forward to heaven, and and you'll never be completely satisfied here because you weren't made for this world. We'll have some highlights. We'll have some moments of ecstasy, a hole-in-one with everybody watching, a newborn baby at your breast a new bride on your arm, a new motorcycle on the highway, the sun on your face, the wind in your hair. And for some of you, that'll be the case. Some of the rest of you, you're never going to experience that. Amen? You know what I'm saying? And uh, But we're going to catch those glimpses of light, but those are simply just slivers of brightness that escape through the windows of heaven. God flirts with us. He tantalizes us, romances us, gives us appetizers for the course that is to follow. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, we have been given a glimpse of heaven, of the real thing, our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little heaven in our hearts so that we will never settle for less. I don't want to settle for less. And I want as many people as possible to understand the reality of heaven and to be there when they die. That's our motivation for sharing our faith. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells a parable about a great banquet. The banquet represents heaven, and the host, who is a picture of God, wants his house to be full. The heart of God is revealed in this story as the host says, go out into the streets, the alleyways, the country roads, the highways, and bring people in. In a I'm giving a party. I want the place to be packed. I love that heart from God. It says, I want my house to be full. In Revelation, it says that when we get to heaven, there will be people there from every tribe, every nation, every language 
who will be in heaven together. And I think there are millions and millions of people all over the world who are searching these days, searching for the truth, searching for significance, searching for a ray of hope, searching for meaning. And people somehow know this is not our home. And so it's our job to say, let's move beyond the upper room. Let's move beyond our gathering times. And let's think in terms of how do we help this place be full so that God's ultimate house will be full? How do we invite people in? How do we pray for our neighbors? How do we say, God, give me an opportunity. I don't feel like I've got the right words. God says, that's okay. I'm going to help you. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Just share. Just tell people that you love me. Tell people that you have a relationship with me. Invite your friends. There is deep longing in our hearts of people for an answer for eternity. And we have that answer. One poet wrote what one time, deep within our hearts is a God-like shape, a perfect fit for Jesus in every way. No heart is too big. No heart is too small. Jesus is the answer. He fits them all. In my dad's final days on this earth, he was at the hospital at UC Westchester. He knew what was happening. He understood these were his final days. He knew he was at the end. He never missed an opportunity. When a nurse would come in or other visitors, he would look at them and he would take their hand and he would say, I'm going to heaven. I want you to be there with me. All the way to the end, he was sharing with people, inviting people, hoping that people would come to that point in their own life where they would say, I want the confidence that he has. And friends, that is our mission, to take people by the hand and to say, I'm going to heaven. I want you to go with me. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 instructs us, and Dad practiced it. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Think eternity. Don't hold on to stuff in this earth. It's not going to last. The only thing you can take with you is your faith in the Lord and those that you love that you've been able to tell about Jesus that have accepted him. That's it. And so my goal for our church has always been that it would not just be about us, it would be about inviting people more and more and more. That we would realize that the kingdom of heaven is not just here and now. The kingdom of heaven is forever. And God, today, we ask for that. We ask, God, that there would be a spirit within all of us that would say, we want to help other people come to know you. That we would have this desire that, that it would no longer be a lost cause it would be a priority for all of us. We'd find ways to build bridges with people, to care for those who are hurting, to love people and listen to their needs and to reach out to them so that they might be able to be one to the Lord and promised eternity. God, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. And God, I just pray that we as a church would make this a priority, that we would take it seriously and that we would know that, that you're working ahead of us that there are people asking these big questions, and we have answers. So God, help us to do that. Thank you for loving us. We pray in Jesus' name.